An Australian woman with long links to Rabel in Papua New Guinea says it's tremendous that the sunken Japanese freighter Montevideo Maru has been found. The ship was carrying 1,060 people, almost all soldiers and civilians from Rabel, when it was torpedoed by an American submarine in July 1942. An estimated 979 died, making it Australia's worst maritime disaster. Last week, the Montevideo Maru was found off the west coast of the Philippines, 4,200 metres below the water surface, by the Fugro Equator, in an expedition led by the Silent World Foundation. Andrea Williams, the chair of the Rabel and Montevideo Maru Society, is also on the Fugro Equator. She reminisced with Don Wiseman about the find and her association with Rabel. That goes back to... I guess, well, my, my grandfather was on the boat and also a great uncle, my grandmother's brother. And they were living in Rabaul before World War II started. And my grandmother and family were evacuated, leaving. My grandmother left her husband and brother there. And, of course, after the war, my grandmother was evacuated. And then after the war, they wanted to go back. And, and eventually my father married. And, you know, we had, as I said, we grew up in Rabaul. And we always knew the story of the Montevideo Maru. Everybody knew, you know, that the men had gone with it. But as I got older, I really wanted to understand more. And I found it was really hard to find answers. And I think many other families were in the same boat, really. So I um, eventually, I um, I would, you know, write to the news channels before Anzac Day and say, you know, how about mentioning it, the Montevideo Maru, because it was never mentioned. You never sort of got that national recognition for it. The men seemed to me to be forgotten, except for by their families. And often the families lived in, it was families, it was soldiers, of course, lived in isolated places. They didn't know other, other family members. For us, you know, in Rabaul, we knew some of the other families, of course, because the town is smaller. So eventually we formed a group back in early 2009 and we put the word out and we gradually gathered families from all over Australia. Actually, there were three New Zealanders on the boat as well, on the Montevideo Maru. And there were people from other countries as well. As we know, there was Norwegians. They were on a, on a ship in Rabaul at the start of World War Two, And, of course, there was a Japanese crew. But there were people from Britain and from Solomon Islands. And one's even listed from Papua New Guinea. I guess he was born up there. So we formed a group and, and we found that having gatherings was really comforting for the families because they could talk about it to other people who understand their generational grief, I think, really. And you'd find in the early days of of course, we had more of the siblings of those who had died on the Montevideo Maru. Siblings were still alive and also the ch- more of the children. There are still many of the children still alive and it's great that it's happened, that this discovery has happened in their lifetime. That's very rewarding. But also, of course, the families have carried that on now and, and we're finding that younger you know, younger and younger family members are coming to the services that we have annually and, and the events that we have. So it's very rewarding to know that, that there is more recognition for those who died on the Montevideo Maru and that the men are not forgotten. There has been criticism in the past that the authorities in Australia didn't want to attract attention to uh, this event because they were embarrassed. Well, that's right. That's correct. I mean, they certainly, um, when Pearl Harbor happened on the 7th of December, there was an announcement made on the 11th of December that nobody would be evacuated from the New Guinea Islands. And then next day, the 12th of December 1941, that was reversed and they decided to evacuate women and children. Boys under 16 were evacuated. Certainly there were boys 16 and over who remained. And in 
one case there was a boy who was 15 who was working at the time and he wanted to stay with his father as you can imagine and the deputy administrator actually put the decision onto his mother and said well she has to make the decision and as a mother myself I just can't imagine having to make that decision but you get a son who's 15 and working and he wants to stay with dad and so the ship had people from 15 to you know in their 60s on it and then during the war the women and the families just heard nothing from their men they um a few of them got a letter that was dropped over Port Moresby in April 1942. And all the letters that were received basically say the same thing, something similar to, you know, I am a prisoner um, being looked after and I'm being looked after well and fed, etc. They basically say the same wording. But only some of the families got that, not everyone. I know our family didn't get one. And then there was nothing till the end of war. And, and some people found out, I know that some women were going home on the bus and reading the paper and the person next door and found out that over a thousand men from Rabaul had died on, with the Montevideo Maru. So you can imagine the shock and horror of that. And they just couldn't find out any more information. So it was nearly four years from December, almost Christmas Day, 1940, uh, December 41 to October 1945. So nearly four years before they actually found out what happened to their men. It was a time very hard because you can imagine there are soldiers' families from Australia because the Lark Force was the battalion that went up to Rabaul and one independent company to New Ireland. But then there was the, the, the families that actually lived in Rabaul. There were many Australian families because it was Rabaul was then the Australian capital of the United Nations mandated territory of New Guinea. And it was like any other town anywhere else. And of course, we've had you know, many Papua New Guineans living there, many Chinese too. So unfortunately and very sadly, um, only a few women and children were evacuated, were able to be evacuated. I think in hindsight, we now know that shipping was an issue, of course. Terrible, terrible time for all those that lived there. And of course, women who were evacuated had lost their homes and their friends and their men and their incomes and evacuated with just a, a small suitcase, a bit like a cabin bag these days. And uh, that's all they had. So they had to sort of rebuild their lives again. And, and some women had to actually farm their children out because they had to go out to work. And so there were many, many difficult circumstances that they had to overcome. And then after the war, of course, there was nothing and they couldn't find out anything. So that was really hard too. There was no inquiry, and it was many, many years before people could, 30 years or, or however many years it is for um, secret in our archives to come out. So gradually people would research and find it. The families, of course, always wanted to know, you know, do you think the Montevideo Maru will ever be found? You know, so it's been tremendous that this expedition was able to occur and we've been able to, to find the answer to What will happen now to the wreck? The wreck will be left as a sacred site. It's not going to be touched. At least we've had a service over the site of the wreck. That was a tremendously moving experience, as you can imagine. You just, you know, being out on the Fugro, where I am at the moment, I'm out there on the Fugro equator, and you've had the vast deep blue ocean just spread all around you, and, and just think about all the lives that were lost, and having a service over the site was tremendously special and very, very moving. So we'll get a few more photographs. They're gradually being developed because it takes ages. It's been fascinating to be on the ship and understand all the technical aspects of being able to send an automatic underwater vehicle down 4.2 kilometres. You think about the 4.2 kilometres, it's just such a huge distance. And of course, the AUV has done a few trips down there at different heights. 
sure that it didn't touch or go near, so nothing will be touched down there. It will be left as a, a, a very special and sacred site.